Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first 2024 edition of Dugout Download. I'm Steve Schaefer of the Houston Chronicle, and I'm joined by Houston Astros beat writer Matt Kawahara. Matt, we are less than a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting, and the Astros, a week in advance of this, have had a big announcement, and it's on everyone's mind, and that is the five-year extension given to Jose Altuve that will ostensibly make him an Astro for life, taking him through 2029. Now, if he wants to play till 40, he's going to have to sign another contract, uh, at least for a year or something, but... Uh, Talk, if you would, about the timing of this deal and and what it means to this franchise. Yeah, I think um, you know we asked Jose Altuve at the at his press conference when they made the deal official whether it was important for him to to get this done before getting to camp. Um, and he said no. He said that wasn't really a priority for him. Uh, the timing wise, he just wanted to get a deal that was uh, was the right length for him. Um, both he and his agent, Scott Boris, really emphasize the importance of the length of this contract. Um, like you said, it's it's a five-year extension, which doesn't start until 2025, which means it will carry him through his age 39 season and really does realize that goal that he had previously talked about of uh, at least you know finishing his career with the Astros. Uh, like you said, uh, there's always the possibility that there's another deal on top of this at the end if you know, maybe he's not ready to be done playing yet or, or maybe if he's... Still really, uh, really close, but not quite at that 3,000 hit benchmark. But um, but the, the length of this deal, which will keep him uh, with the Astros through 2029, um, was was really a key uh, that both he and Boris pointed to. And, and Boris really, you know, just specifically said it, it gives him a chance to to pursue that 3,000 hit milestone with the Astros. Um, and I, I don't know how much of a... I, I would assume this was important also to... Altuve, but Boris made the point that uh, you know it keeps him in in the organization where where Craig Biggio, who is another uh, franchise icon who reached 3,000 hits and and did so over the course of a, a long career, um, he, he's here. He's still involved with the organization. He's still around a lot, and and he's somebody who can sort of counsel uh, Altuve as he progresses into the late stages, the final years of his career, on how to. Um, to continue to to produce and, and continue to you know uh, be a a good productive offensive player a good hitter uh, even in the later stages of his career so um, so yeah that was uh, in terms of the timing of the deal I think um, even though Altuve said it wasn't really a, a, a you know too much of a, a an important factor for him it does at least gives him and the Astros the peace of mind of knowing that. The face of their franchise is going to be here for uh, for for years to come, and they don't have to. You know, every, everybody's not reporting to camp with this storyline hanging over about will they be able to extend Altuve? They, they, you know, those those talks are now done, and they can move on to uh, to other potential extension candidates, who I'm sure we'll talk about here. Talk about that in a second. Yeah, I think Altuve. The thing I like about the deal, uh, one with a player his age, it's not like some of these 10, 13 year deals where you worry about the salary at the end of the deal being a real burden because it's it's very front-loaded. 
First three years of the deal is $30 million a year. He also gets a $15 million signing bonus. But in the last two years of those deal, it, it's $10 million toward your payroll those last two years. So if he's still playing at a at a, at a popular level, even, even a, uh, an average player level, uh, he winds up a bargain. But you look at his numbers, and he's at that very interesting age where you might sometimes start to see decline. I was looking at like some second baseman of recent vintage, like Roberto Alomar, uh, like high-level second baseman, uh, Ian Kinsler, uh, players like that. And, and this is the age where you kind of see a, maybe a drop-off on production. With Altuve, it's kind of been different. You look at his last two seasons, if you want to take any pair of seasons for him, really 2016 and 2017, which was his MVP year, that latter year, is probably the better, only better two-season period he's ever had, at least in terms of rate stats in terms of on-base percentage, slugging percentage, OPS, OPS plus. Now, the counting stats weren't there, but last year it was because he got hit in the thumb during the World Baseball Classic, which forced him to miss a month. He did have an oblique injury, but his number, it, you don't see that decline at this stage. So in, in, that, in those terms, I think, it's a, I think it's a very good deal for the Astros. Al Altuve looks like he's still going to be a very productive player for a while. He's kind of reinvented himself to a degree, even over the last few years. Yeah, uh, I mean, just touching that last point quickly, he has you know hit for more power. At least the home run totals have been up over the last maybe four years or so, last four full seasons. And he, you know, he, his strikeout rate has gone up a little bit at the same time, but he still, like you said, is is an extremely productive offensive player. I think he had a. Uh, a 151 OPS plus, 51% above league average last season, 161 the year before. Last year, it was in 90 games because of the injuries that you mentioned. But when he's been on the field the last two years, he still has been an extremely productive offensive player. So, um, so I mean, with that in mind, if he had decided that he wanted to test the open market, I think, you know, if Scott Boris didn't say this blatantly, he at least hinted at the fact that it, on, the open, on the open market, Jose Altuve is probably you know, in line to potentially get a deal that is um, is of a higher either total or annual value. This probably wasn't the most money that he could have made, um, but his priority uh, was to stay in Houston and stay with the, the team that he has known, and he made that known beforehand, and he also made it known at the at the news conference on, um, on Wednesday that really this was not, you know, he, had, he did at least entertain the thought of what would it be like if potentially I played for another organization, but uh, I don't think that was really ever something that he um, wanted. He wanted to stay and we communicated that to Scott Boris and uh, between them and, and the Astros, they were able to to reach and still to make it happen. Yeah. One thing I like you said too, I mean, like it, it does point out like how much money does one need and I begrudge no athlete getting whatever they can, but it does show you that Maybe to some players, there are things more important than money in terms of, I like the comedy made about when he goes home to Venezuela, he'll tell his wife, well, let's go home. But then when they're coming back to Houston, it's like, well, let's go back home. He, he sees these as two different homes. Houston has really become his second home. And um, and and as uh, you wrote the other day, if he can average 159 hits over the next six years, he can get 3,000 before the end of this contract in an Astros uniform. A little bit different situation. You mentioned other guys and a lot of people want to know about the Alex Bregman situation. Um, Scott Boris does have a habit of taking, letting his players go to free agency, testing the open market. So, and he will go to the last minute. It's interesting right now in our current baseball situation, Boris represents Cody Ballinger, Jordan Montgomery, 
Matt Chapman, Blake Snell, all as of when we're recording this are without contracts. They've not signed. They're free agents. So Bregman's a little bit different thing. I think it could be good for the Astros to get Bregman in a walk year as far as production. I'm sure they'd like to re-sign him. But uh, here's a guy, when you look at his numbers over the last few years, the thing he does is play. He played 161 games last year. He played 155 the year before. So that's going to add up to some good numbers. But the rate stats, the on-base, the slugging, he's never come close to producing the year he did in 2019 Was when he was MVP runner-up. How do you assess the situation and, and, and some of the differences between Bregman's situation and Altuve's? Well, the two situations are extremely different. I mean, obviously, they're both... Uh, they're both represented by Scott Boris. They're both centerpieces of this Astros franchise and Golden Run, but that's really where the similarities end in terms of what they would have looked like as as prospective free agents coming up next offseason. I mean, Altuve turns 34 this year. Uh, Bregman will be 30 in March. Um, so he would be hitting the market at age 30 uh, at an age where he might and probably would look for one of the uh, one of those longer deals, whether it's maybe up in the seven, eight, nine year range, um, something that would take him uh, really toward the toward the end of his career. And that's not uh, a territory where the Astros have gone under Jim Crane. They have, I believe they have not given out an extension longer than six years um, under Crane's ownership. Uh, Jose Altuve's previous deal, um, I've, I think it's, there's been a little bit of discrepancy. It's been reported in different ways, whether it was a five-year deal or a seven-year deal. My understanding is that it was a five-year extension on top of two years of existing team control. So it really, it was more of a five-year extension um, with guaranteed money there. So so six years is the longest extension with, that they've given out, and they would probably need to go beyond that. Um, I mean, there's no, there's, it's not a certainty. No, either Alex Bregman or Scott Boris has come out and said, hey, we're going to be looking for a super long seven, eight, nine year deal um, if we get to free agency. But um, but the Astros, there's probably a good chance that they would need to go beyond that and potentially also the a total value that they that they've not gotten to with uh, with an extension or a free agent deal under Crane if they were to extend Bregman. Um, Bregman or at least Scott Boris said uh, after Jose Altuve's news conference that Bregman has communicated to him that they will be open to listening to whatever the Astros had to say. Um, both Astros Jim Crane, uh, Astros owner Jim Crane, when he was talking to uh, Chronicle columnist Jerome Solomon a few days ago, said that uh, the Astros will make an offer to Alex Bregman at some point. Uh, General Manager Dana Brown reiterated that today, uh, Thursday, he said that the Astros will make an offer to Bregman, a long-term offer, but there is really no timeline for them to do that. So um, I'm not sure if that means that they're going to do it before the season starts at some point if they plan to, to offer at some point in camp or if this is something that could continue into the regular season uh, Alex Bregman was at FanFest last month uh, but he kind of um, really sort of shot down questions about his contract status and said that he's only focused on the uh, on the upcoming season and he said that he really hadn't given his contract status very much thought of that uh, so um, so yeah I mean, that'll be something that uh, will be i think a continuing storyline through camp um and into may potentially into the season if there's uh nothing no agreement reached or no resolution even if it's not an agreement um but i think when you look at the differences between the ages 
and the potential contracts that they might seek and the track record here with the Astros, then uh, I think it, it was it was always pretty clear that Bregman was probably the the more likely candidate to get to free agency between the two of them. But we'll see if that's uh, where it ends up being. Yeah, one thing I think is kind of that I think about too is a few years ago when Carlos Correa said, I want to be an Astro for life and and bet on himself in 2021. He'd had a lot of injuries and he had an outstanding year in 2021. Uh, would have parlayed that into a bigger contract when he's playing over now, but he'd be signed a bigger deal. He obviously signed with the Mets and the Giants thought they had him. But they had these physical issues that set all that back. So he didn't make the money he thought he was going to, but he did have a very outstanding 2021. So maybe Bregman puts together a, a, a year like that and parlays that into a bigger deal. So uh, as I said, maybe the Astros get the benefit at least of a of a great walk here from Bregman. And then maybe they, cause they've got, you've got all these chess pieces in place. They've got to think about, okay, Kyle Tucker's going to be up. He's got two more years of club control. They've got to be thinking, you know, maybe they look and see how both those players play out this year when they're making decisions. So uh, that's going to be fascinating. Other offseason moves for the Astros. We haven't been on since this happened, but they did make a, I would say a blockbuster free agent signing. If you thought the bullpen at the back end was already good, Matt, it's gotten even better. The Josh Hader signing uh, did come together very quickly. It was something that the team size got together about uh, over, it was described as the course of 72 hours and they, they were able to reach that deal. But yes, the Astros um, added a very uh, accomplished and you know, basically the best closer, the best reliever that was available on the market, one of the best closers in baseball to a team that already has a, an established and accomplished closer uh, in Ryan Presley. So um, the the Astros have not yet said, at least publicly, uh, whether one of them will be the closer. I think when you look at the deal that they gave Josh Hader with the five years and, and $95 million, that's closer money. I mean, that's that's what you pay somebody to come in and, and save games for you. But so far, they have not um, they have not anointed him the closer publicly. Um, it, it's probably it's. Uh, but uh, Joe Espada has new manager. Joe Espada has said that he does believe in high leverage relievers knowing their roles, having clear cut roles, knowing when they're going to be pitching in games. So. Uh, so when he said that, it really um, sort of indicated that at some point he is going to name one or the other the closer. So uh, that'll be something also to watch in spring training, but clearly a, a pretty significant addition to uh, to the Astros bullpen. Now they have probably probably the best uh, back-end bullpen trio with Brian Abreu, uh, Presley, and Hayter, however they decide to line them up. Um, the question is going to be how they get to them. Um, how they build a bridge to those guys. Uh, if there's a lead, if a starter isn't able to go six, or if there's a, a day where one of them is down, um, the rest of their bullpen is going to be relatively unproven. I would say with the, the names that they lost with Hector Neris, uh, Phil Natan, and, and Ryan Stanek leaving in free agency, um, that's a lot of innings that, uh, that they lost from the bullpen last year. And they... Basically, they added one reliever in, in Hater, at least uh, via signing. So, uh, so volume-wise, it's not like they replaced the guys that they left. I mean, they they did strengthen that group, but they are still going to have to pull from sort of a pool of insight can, internal candidates to sort of backfill those innings and, and be the the potentially fifth, sixth, middle relief, long relief, uh, those type of roles. 
and that's all going to play out in uh, in camp. So um, I guess really when you look at the bullpen, I think there are four four relievers who are clearly have spots. Um, that would be uh, Hader, Presley, Abreu, and Rafael Montero. And then beyond that, there's just kind of a group of of guys who could all uh, compete for uh, for to kind of fill out the remainder of the bullpen. And it's it's a big group that doesn't have as much experience, definitely, as the guys who left. Um, and so it, it remains to be seen if, uh, you know, Forrest Whitney is going to be able to come in, the t- former top position prospect, uh, is going to be able to come in and, and convert to this relief role and maybe win a spot there. Um, another candidate would be Bennett Souza, who uh, the left-hander who the Astros um, added on a waiver claim last season in September pitched really well for them in, in the two weeks or two or three weeks that he was on the roster, but because he had been added after September 1st, he wasn't eligible for the postseason. Um, but they, he, you know, they saw stuff in him uh, that they liked. So he will likely come in and compete for a spot with their other returning candidates, like, uh, like Brandon Belak, Renel Blanco, who sort of were swing men for the Astros last year. Seth Martinez was, has uh, pitched and released for them before. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty big group um, that is going to have to be whittled down a little bit. Uh, it's just not a very, I guess, um, established group. So they're sort of relying more on their their depth there to get them through. And there's also the question of whether, you know, if they don't open with, uh, with a six-man rotation, um, they do have six guys uh, coming back, six rotation candidates who started for, so one of them potentially, you know, open as a reliever uh, technically in the bullpen is, or a swing man. Or, so there's, there's, def- there's definition that still needs to be established on that pitching staff, but up to the six weeks in West Palm to do it. I'll make one prediction. Justin Verlander will be no part of the six-man rotation. If they have six starters, he's going to be starting every five games. I'll make that prediction right now. And you bring up a good point. You know, Rafael Montero, who was really, he was the eighth inning guy in 2022. He signed the $38 million deal. He just did not give them last year what they were expecting. And relief stats can bounce all over the place from year to year. Even Josh Hader in 2022, after they made that, tra- after he was traded to the Padres, his ERA was over five. So if Montero could have a bounce back year, that would be a big lift for them as far as then things you're looking at, like six, seven, eight, nine. I know Joe Espada also talked about, you know, it's not like every game you're going to have the seven, eight, nine lineup because you might not take a lead on the eight. So there will probably be days where Presley or Abreu gets gets save opportunities. But I, I, I agree with Kyle, you're saying. Hater's getting closer money. I think he's going to ostensibly be the closer. And I know Dana Brown said that they did call Ryan Presley before they made this deal. So you would think, well, he must have been okay with it. Um, as we looked at the bullpen and some of those questions, as you head toward uh, West Palm Beach next week, what are some other questions that we can look forward to perhaps being answered over these next six weeks? Yeah, I mean, as it's been, I think, in recent years, uh, or at least during this stretch of um, – successful seasons for the Astros, but there's not a whole lot of intrigue in, in spring training in terms of the, the 26 man roster. Um, this year, maybe there are more spots, a few more spots up for grabs with between the, uh, the bullpen spots that are undefined. And then there, there may be one max two bench spots that are, uh, that are up for competition. Um, but really that's it. I mean, the, the lineup is, is pretty set. The rotation is going to draw from candidates who are returning from last season. Half of the bullpen is, is set. So you're really talking about sort of, um, sort of the, the final few bullpen spots and then like the, the last, uh, one potentially two position player spots, uh, in terms of roster battles. Um, something else that, 
uh, maybe is, is going to be worth keeping an eye on is, uh, you know, Yadier Diaz is going to be assuming the primary catching duties. Uh, he did not catch Justin Verlander or he did not catch Robert Valdez last year uh, in any of their starts. So, so this is going to be, I think, an important uh, stretch for um, for him and, and also the pitchers to kind of build that rapport that they uh, that they did not get through in games at least um, last season. And I, th- I think he only caught Christian Javier twice as well. So, um, so there may be a little bit of uh, a little bit of learning between those two sides. And uh, and Yanni Diaz himself has said that he needs he feels like he needs to be more of a um, more of like a a vocal leader, um, not to the point where he's, you know, he's being inauthentic, but he, he described himself as, as being sort of, uh, sort of quiet and introverted naturally. And, and he's been working on sort of coming out of that shell a little bit because uh, he's aware of the, of the fact that when you're a catcher and when you're handling a major league pitching staff, um, you, you need to be a, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more outspoken sometimes. So, um, so that, that would be another thing to keep an eye on. Um, uh, you know, the, there are going to be some prospects uh, in camp in their first major league camp that the Astros feel pretty good about. Uh, Spencer Getty uh, would be their top pitching prospect. A couple of the um, couple of the uh, the young hitters like uh, Joey Lopresito and, and Jacob Melton, who's uh, sort of ranked as a consensus top prospect in their system. Um, these guys are going to be in their their first major league camps. Um, it's going to be, I think, it's going to be really difficult. And, and Dana Brown even came out and said it today it's going to be really difficult for uh for an unproven like non-roster prospect to to crack the 26-man roster but he didn't entirely rule it out right? if somebody comes in and sort of lights the world on fire then then the astros might have to sit up and take notice and and even if you know even if one of those prospects does come in and and put together a really strong showing and and doesn't make the opening roster that doesn't mean that guy is not up you know a month into the season or, or in the second half so um so yeah there there are definitely I, I i don't think it's anything uh major roster wise that, that you're looking at barring any sort of you know barring any sort of injury or or any other major significant development um between now and opening day but but there are some things that the, the astros do need to hammer out um around the edges of the roster and one last thing would would be probably um, there. There sounds like there is going to be a pretty strong focus uh, under Joe Spot in, in this camp on um, on some fundamental work. Um, there were some areas where he and, and others felt that the Astros maybe weren't as sharp last season as as they could have been or have been in previous years. One of those was base running. Um, you know, taking the extra base, uh, just being a little bit sharper on the base paths. Uh, and he, he said today that they're going to probably be spending a little bit more time on base running work uh, during camp. Another would be they had some struggles last year uh, on the on the other side of the running game with holding runners on. Um, some of their pitchers um, really struggled between the, uh, the, the pitch timer and, and the um, limit on, on pickoffs and step-offs. Uh, similar pitchers struggled holding, holding runners on, and more aggressive teams were able to take advantage of them and, and run on them, especially late in, in the late in the season, uh, toward the second half. And although Yanni Diaz does have a, a, an excellent throwing arm, there were times where both he and Martin Maldonado really just weren't given a chance uh, to throw out runners just because of the jumps that they were getting against um, against some of the pitchers. So, 
so that's another thing. And then defensively, I think uh, you know you look at some of the metrics. The Astros had a little bit of a regression last year, team wise. Obviously, there were some there were some really strong individual defensive seasons. Um, they had three guys who were Gold Glove finalists. Uh, their their center fielders played played strong defense, but um, as a team, there there were instances where you saw uh throwing errors overthrows um pitchers not backing up bases just just kind of those little fundamental things that i think are going to be a little bit more of a of a focus uh this spring uh to try to 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 avoid that during the season so um a lot of a lot of those uh a lot of that detail work that i think they're going to be a little bit more focused on i guess that just goes to show you that even a team that's made seven consecutive american league championship series can get better. It feels like it can get better. And the ALCS obviously is not the standard the Astros shoot for. I mean, they uh, they made it clear they they want to continue to the golden era with championships. And uh, spring training gets underway next week. Matt will be in West Palm Beach, as I mentioned. And uh, I would tell you that you could follow him on Twitter uh, if you want quick spring training updates or X, formerly Twitter, X, formerly known as Twitter, at Matthew Kawahara. Obviously, you can also keep up with them at HoustonChronicle.com. I'd like to tell one story he wrote that's uh, up on the website now, uh, take out piece on uh, on manager Joe Spotted and the journey he had to becoming a major league manager. It took a lot of uh, um, patience, perseverance, but uh, he, he, boy, he finds himself in a great spot. He interviewed for a lot of jobs he didn't get, but uh, what a way to land. Um, as this uh, as this turned out, but uh, that'll be in Sunday's print. But again, you can find it right now on HoustonChronicle.com. Thanks for listening to this first 2024 edition of Dugout Download. We thank Pirate Audio for their um, help on the production end, and we'll be talking to you throughout spring training and the entire 2024 season. <laughs>